2: Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. My name is Christopher Harris. And on this episode, I have a uh, special interview with Jamie Carragher and Peter Schmeichel. Uh, We caught up uh, with the two legends about their work for CBS Sports' coverage of the UEFA Champions League, which returns on uh, Tuesday. Uh, And it's also available, of course, on Paramount+. We discuss uh, their memories of the first soccer matches they have attended as uh, football supporters, their thoughts on why Premier League clubs uh, don't do as well in the UEFA Champions League as uh, some of the other countries, and their take on the level of soccer knowledge that Americans, uh, American fans and broadcasters possess, as well as a lot of other questions too. So sit back. And enjoy the interview with Jamie Carragher and Peter Schmeichel. The first question I've got for you both is, what was your first memory of the very first professional football match you went to as a supporter?
1: Mm, I remember mine. Mine was at Goodison Park and Everton had just won the FA Cup and they played the first home game of the following season. And they lost eighty five. to Tottenham. Yes. Well, that was, it was eight, eight, the 84-85 season. So that was 1984. I was uh, I watched that game. And those two teams ended up challenging for the title. Everton lost their first two games of the season. They lost the second game away at West Brom. And then they won the third game away at Chelsea 1-0. And then went on to win the league title by beating Tottenham away from home in maybe April 2-1. So... That was the first game of the season, 4-1 to Tottenham, Glenn Hoddle and all. And, uh, yeah, so it was a a bad one, but it ended up being a great season.
0: So what about you, Peter? I I, I grew up a little bit different. Uh, We didn't have professional football uh, by law. The the law was changed when I was 15, and and Danish football wasn't really really great. So uh, I followed English football. But my first really, really big game I went to um, was in 1984. Again, same here, but that was the uh, European Championship. Denmark playing Spain in the semi-finals, and um, I uh, I had just started out uh, as a you know, semi-professional myself, um, and I I left Copenhagen by uh, by bus on a coach. Coach rides to Ly- uh, Lyung. Lyung was, so it was so it's like twenty hours on a coach, and we came to Lyon about two hours before kickoff. So into the stadium, watch the game. Unfortunately, we lost it on penalties. Uh, and that was straight back on the coach. And then back to uh, to Copenhagen. So, again, 20, 21 hours. And uh, we came back. Uh, I didn't have much sleep. And in that uh, that day, we came back. I had to play a cup game. It was called Carlsberg Cup in Denmark against Bromby, Uh, yeah. And we lost 7-1. So... <laughs> <laughs> I clearly remember that game. And mm-hmm. I, of course, ended up playing in Bromby. And uh, I, the guy who, who holds the records for the most appearances, he in that game, he scored two goals. And I can I played that for four and a half years with him. And I can remember just one goal that he scored in that time. And in one game against me, he scored two. So I remember my first game, which was a great adventure, but it was a big disappointment. And then that game uh, coming back.
2: So, so, Peter, your childhood dream was to play for Manchester United. What was the level of coverage like in Denmark when you were growing up? Was it on television all the time? or
0: Yeah, so, so, um, so what we had was so the, the, the BBC that was covering all the games back then uh, and, and then showing highlights and match of the day uh, in, in the UK. They would, they would broadcast one of the three o'clock kickoffs uh, to the world. And it was kind of very random with game, which game it was, a main game. Uh, so we would sit there. Would, so that would happen from when the Danish season finished, which was quite early in the autumn. And it, they were allowed to to do that all the way to, or show them all the way till it began again. So we would have, uh, every winter, would every Saturday, just sit there. And it was, it started. So the kickoff was four o'clock, but the program, the whole build-up started at 12 and of course went on. It was, so everyone just sat there watching. And of course, we fell in love with English football. Every, everyone I know loves English football. Everyone I've played with. And we had our teams, you know, we supported our teams. Most of the guys at the time, uh, because it was Liverpool and Leeds who was kind of the best teams at the time, um, became Liverpool Leeds supporters. Uh, I became a Manchester United supporter. I was the only one at the time. Uh, and it just became my dream. This is what I wanted. I wanted to play football in those, you know, in those stadiums in, in front of those people. And uh, it's, it's funny because when, when I eventually, you know, played, my first game was Goodison. It was Goodison Park, my first away, not first game, but first away game. and Goodison Park became my favorite away ground from that game. And it's still like that. It's still the same. Thirty years on, it's still the same. Same atmosphere. People are still this close. Yeah. Um, so, what was yes. the score
2: of that one, Peter? Was that was that a victory? Oh. Was that a win a good decision? Ah, we won. We
0: won. I can't remember exactly. I can't. I can't. We won. We won the first four that year. Uh, I honestly can't remember. I can remember a couple that we lost, but can't remember the ones we won. Of some of them.
2: So fast-forwarding to 2023, right, with the the January transfer window just closed, the gulf in spending in the transfer markets between the Premier League and the rest of Europe. Do you think there's some incentive or motivation for the clubs that are not in the Premier League, that are in the Champions League in the next few weeks, to show that they're actually maybe perhaps the better teams on the pitch, rather than not in the uh, kind of the bank account balance?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think when we talk about the money that's spent in the Premier League, I think we've also got to remember that a lot of the clubs who are we'll receiving these fees, I think sometimes they're last the Premier League, and that they, you know, they're getting a lot of money in from the Premier League, they've been a lot cleverer with their own money in terms of transfer fees and players that they're bringing in. And you still look at the record. I've said for a long time, the, the expenditure in the Premier League means that we should really be dominating that competition as a league. And we still have not fully got to grips with it in terms of a domination that I think Peter's probably a perfect example. Mm. So many young people around Europe and the world grew up watching English teams dominate Europe in that sort of late 70s. It was Liverpool, Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest. And I was expecting this to happen over the next sort of the last few years and the next few years. And it hasn't quite happened. We've obviously had Liverpool and Chelsea. And it always feels like they've been an English team in the final now. But it still feels like Real Madrid have got that stranglehold on the competition. And they do spend big money, but for often you still look at them as a team and think it's an aging team, but they find a way to win in this mm-hmm. competition. But I, I do feel sooner or later the Premier League will get its claws really into the Champions League and start dominating the competition and maybe winning, you know, three out of five or something. You can't win it every year. But I think with the, the money and the amount of teams we have in it, we should be expecting an English team to win it or at least get to the final every year now.
2: Yeah, it's interesting too, because um, working with CBS Sports, I mean, you, obviously you, you both work for other broadcasters around the world, both currently in the past. What would you say is the biggest difference working with CBS Sports and doing the UEFA Champions League uh, coverage compared to other broadcasters that you currently or have worked with in the past?
0: Uh, it's so so... For for a country like America, who has four very very big sports that dominates the sort of the uh, the 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 television screening, if you like, and has done for years, um, for 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 a broadcaster like CBS to go in and really invest as they've done and and really really try to 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 push this uh, this product into into that sort of picture. they of course doesn't come in with a, a European way of, of seeing, of of doing it, of producing TV sports shows, if you like. So we we we've, I have to say we're very stuck in the way that we produce shows. I mean it's it you know you go from country to country, it, it, they very much looks the same. It comes down to the individuals on the show, how in what direction it takes, how serious it is, how how qualified it is. But in all, you know. So in general, it kind of looks the same from, from from every broadcaster, really. But then you have an American input to what we have we've done for years, and all of a sudden you have, uh, you have, a dynamic that takes it somewhere else. We we do what we do. We are asked to do something that they they want to do, and then all of a sudden you have this product which is different to what we do normally, um, and you know sometimes it doesn't work. But this has worked. This has worked really well. And it's interesting to work with... Uh, I've worked for 20 years now with, with a lot of different broadcasters. And I have to say mainly, uh, mainly from, from, from... In the UK, of course. But if it's been outside of the UK, it's more, more been to the eastern side of the world. So more into Asia and not really, not really the Americans. And, and this has been... It's been, a, you know, it's been a revelation. Also, what it has been for... If you've been in the business for that long, it actually, it's keeping you on your toes a little bit, you know. You have to, you have to produce something in order to stay, stay with it, and and be relevant and all that. So, it's, for me personally, it's been good that it's it kind of had this, this, this change and and a different way of of looking at broadcasting, sports broadcasting, that is. Sorry. Sure.
1: Yeah, I I, I totally agree with what Peter's saying. For me, I I love the contrast I have from working with Sky and working with uh, CBS, it feels like I'm, I'm. it's a It's a different show, completely different in that it's a football stroke entertainment show. I think people seem to enjoy it, and I think we get a nice balance between, certainly in the knockout stage, between analysis before the games and then really enjoying ourselves after the game. Uh, and I think when you're in TV, me and Peter have done it for lots of different stations, it's nice to do different things and not do the same thing every show you go on no matter who you're working for and that's why working CBS I absolutely love it I've I've missed it really looking forward to getting back in with the guys uh, in the next few weeks and obviously we've got a long because the the season's crammed together it'll feel like we're together most weeks then and uh, yeah it just gives me something different than what I do on Sky which still gives me that buzz and sort of you know edge if you like really that I'm, I'm still enthusiastic for it
2: do you think? Do you think it's changed your perception of Americans or Americans' knowledge of, of of football or soccer in any ways? In terms of now that you're working with a US broadcaster, where in the past perhaps you might have had a different perception.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's um, it's it's been quite a pleasant surprise, I have to say, that that the the knowledge of of football in in uh, in the US. Uh, it's, it's much, much bigger than I, I thought it was. It's much better. Uh, the following is incredible. We see that in our viewing figures and we see that on the response. Um, uh, and it's great. It's great because we, we've always considered our sport as a, a world sport. This is not for Europe. Yes, the biggest clubs are in Europe. It's more developed in Europe in terms of uh, you know, the quality, if you like. But it's a sport that is enjoyed everywhere in the world. And for a long time, we didn't think it was enjoyed in the U.S. But we found out it is. So it's it's quite good. So my perception has changed for sure.
2: And uh, last question I've got is, uh, Jamie, uh, do you see that uh, Peter Schmeichel maybe is a kind of a, a, kinder, a kinder, gentler, maybe more intelligent version of a, a fellow Manchester United uh, former player, uh, Gary Neville? <laughs>
0: Of course, he is. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm recording.
1: He <laughs> never wouldn't suit the audience. He's, got no, he's got, got no light or shade. Peter's got the uh, the analytical side of it. Obviously, one of the best goalkeepers the world has ever, ever seen. Really fun as well. So, we don't have that privilege on English TV with Mr. Neville. He's quite analytical, but uh, as Peter knows himself, he's not the type of fella you would want to go to a party with or go for a drink with. So, uh, Destination Brooklyn would certainly not be for Gary Neville so I think uh, I've got the right <laughs> Manchester United man for English TV I've got the right Manchester United man for the US
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God <laughs> You are you are a brave man by the way if he brave. hears this
2: <laughs> Excellent well, well Jamie and Peter thank you so much guys good thanks. luck next week and uh, yeah it's been great talking it to
0: good. you thanks a lot take care All right.